Okay, so on the Mind of a Football Coach podcast today, we have Coach Kenny Dallas. Uh, Coach Kenny Dallas is the head football coach at Trinity Christian School in Georgia. They just won the Class A Private State Championship in the state of Georgia, and Coach Dallas and myself coached uh, on the same staff in 2014 at Eagles Landing Christian Academy. Uh, that year, we started 0-6 and, and went to the state championship game. That was that was quite a year, and you'll hear us talk about that on the podcast. So thank you all for listening, and have a great day. Okay, so on the Mind of a Football Coach podcast today, we have a really good friend of mine and an excellent football coach, Coach Kenny Dallas. Welcome to the Mind of a Football Coach podcast. Thank you, Zach, man. I, I appreciate it to be on here. It's an honor to be with you. Yeah, I have. I was talking to our good friend Jonathan Guest on the podcast a couple months ago, and he said, hey, you need to get Kenny on. I said, you know what? I sure need to get Coach <laughs> Dallas on this thing. Uh, so, Coach, give the listener a little background about yourself, and then we'll just we'll rock from there. Oh, man. Uh, I've been a high school football coach now for about 25 years. Um, you know, I tried to get out of it a number of years ago, maybe 10 years ago for about two years. And I guess that was my midlife crisis where I figured out, oh, that's that's exactly what God intends for you to be and do. You you know, kind of the you can't live with it. You can't live without it kind of deal. No, I, I love coaching, man. I, I was in uh, playing college football and college baseball in, in college and uh, surrendered to ministry, honestly. And, uh, man, kind of trying to figure out what, what God's calling was on my life and met with a handful of men. And to be quite honest, it was pretty crystal clear. Like I wanted to challenge boys towards godly manhood. And so it was kind of, it's kind of interesting process. Like I love ball. I love football, but the thing I really truly feel like I'm called to do is to challenge young men to become everything that they could possibly be. And you kind of do it using a little silly oblong ball and the crazy thing about man you pull a ball out and kids just go okay here's my heart what are you going to do with it and so man it's been a blessing for the last 25 years I've been coaching in Georgia since 2001 I'm originally from Memphis my wife and I actually went to elementary school together middle school high school together so we've known each other for a long long time but been living in in Georgia since 2001 and so I really kind of consider Atlanta and Georgia home and Man, been blessed. I guess been minus two years where we went back to Tennessee during that during that period. Uh, I guess been been coaching in the state for about 19 years. Been blessed to be a part of a lot of great teams. Been a part of 12, I think 12 or 13 region championships, and mm-hmm. got to coach in seven state championship games. And so it's been, man, a tr- tremendous blessing getting to be around a, a lot of good people, a lot of great coaches, and and a lot of great families. So anyway, that's that's kind of my background. Yeah, and I mean, coach, you've taken two programs as a head coach to a state championship game. Uh, that's that's man, that, that's not too many people that have done that. You know, that's 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 incredible. I I, I appreciate that. It's actually kind of crazy. Was looking back at it in my last nine years in Georgia, I've coached in seven state championship games in the last nine years. It's nuts. I mean, that's crazy. Now three as an assistant there at Eagles Landing, where you and I coached together. Uh, but yeah, man, I. Uh, but you know what the common theme and, and all of those were is, I mean, you got to have great players. Every, everybody knows that. I mean, it's just, it's a total lack of humility to think that, you know, a, a coach can, can, can get to a state championship game without great players. Uh, but man, you got to have a great staff and then you just got to have a great community around you. That community is not just your parents and those that follow it, 
It's also your administration that want to win. And so, man, I, I've been blessed. I really have just been blessed to be in those kind of environments. And my big belief as a coach is it's kind of like the parable of the talents. You know, God gave one, one talent, three talent, five talent. You're called to go and produce. And, and when you do, God has this way of, of multiplying those talents. But I tell our coaches, you know, some of those that with those talents, they, they hide the talent is the way the story goes. And God tells that one, hey, man, that's it's not just lazy, that's wicked. And so as coaches, what we're trying to do is help our kids just maximize every talent and gift that God has given them. And man, all of us as coaches want to have those five talent guys, but probably really at the end of it, we're going to kind of be judged by what do we do with just the one, two and three talent kids. That's just, you know, your average kids that you get. And so I don't know, man, I, I think if, if I have any ability inside the coaching world, I, I think my ability is to kind of see a little bit of what, not where a kid is, but where he should be and coaching for that. Like I got to get that out. And that's kind of my, my motivation. And it's just, I mean, it's not just physically, but that's spiritually and academically and socially is like, man, we want these boys to really truly become everything that God wants them to be. And that's a tough process. I think that's the iron sharpening iron process. But I don't know what, sometimes I think, I think I like practice more than I like games, but that, that makes sense to me because like, I love that process of seeing boys become everything that they could possibly be. And of course, Man, we're talking football, but man, football is such a little microcosm. It goes into leadership and self-leadership and leading others and and really our morals and, and how we treat others. And anyway, that, that's a that's a big answer for that little question there. <laughs> no, that's that's perfect. So I remember we were it was a summer of 2014, and it was the first time Jonathan had you speak to the to the team during before a summer workout. And you talked about preparation and brotherhood. Yeah. And coach, I use that to this day. I talk no. about it all the time. I would love you to expound on that because it, it, it blew my mind the first time you said it. Yeah. Cause I never thought about football in terms of, of those, those terms. In interesting, man. I, thank you for bringing that up. I, that's interesting to me that you, that you use it. I'm glad you do. I, I had a coach it was kind of interesting. One of my great mentors was a guy that coached over in Birmingham that I was blessed to meet. And he never coached me. But when I first got into coaching, like 1996, 97, something like that was my first year. I had somebody introduce me to him because he goes, man, I want to introduce you to this guy. I think you'll really love him. And he was a guy who was two things. He was going to win both on and off the field. He was going to win on the field in terms of how they prepare, practice, and play. They, he, wanted to, he wanted to win championships. And he had won four or five state championships when I met him, but he was a godly man. And at the end of the day, he would say, what would it profit a man if we gain a state championship, but we lose the souls of these kids in the, in the process. And so he was, he was a guy who also wanted to build into them realizing, look, all these kids are going to be daddies and husbands one day. I don't know if they're going to go play college football, but they're going to be daddies and husbands. And we got an opportunity here to invest in them. But I remember him asking me a question. He goes, okay, at the end of your four years with you, like, what do you want them to take away? What is it at the end do you want them to have learned? And so it's kind of interesting, man. Way, way back then, I actually had a couple of different words that I used. But over time of me coaching and teaching and kind of figuring out the different things that I want for them, 
I kind of landed on those two words. Those two words are simply preparation. Simply to me just means hard work. And there is nothing in life that is gained without hard work. And I tell our guys all the time, things that matter to us, I mean, we sacrifice for, we give to, like we're well, I'm like, you think about it. I mean, our children, we would do anything for our children. Why? But we have so much invested in them, so much work and so much, all of that kind of stuff that we, that we have put into our children. But the same thing, we do that in different areas of our life. And so that idea of preparation, I tell our guys all the time, like, hey, I'm not going to apologize to y'all for how hard we work around here. I'm, I'm sorry for the kids around here that don't think they can do this. Like you never go to the movies and go, let me watch a movie about a guy sitting his butt on his couch, you know, and he just lives in comfort and he watches TV and does nothing his entire life. And he lives off his daddy's money and then he dies. Well, we, what a freaking great movie that was like, nobody wants to go do that. We want to go see somebody who has to work hard, who has to strain, who has to give everything, maybe even sacrifice all. But that's what we talk about when we talk about that side of, of preparation. Uh, it's, it's uh, listen, our culture, our culture, the way I define our culture is champions are built when no one is looking. Mm-hmm. Listen, I'm defined not by what I say publicly, but what I do privately. Like when nobody's around. And so nobody's in the weight room clapping for them. Our off-season crucibles, we do. The AJC, the newspaper, you know, it, it isn't around covering how they did that morning, on and on and on. So I would tell them even academically, man, you want to be a champion academically, well, nobody's going to be there clapping for you when you do your homework rather than play it on the Xbox or spiritually. Nobody's going to be there when you're serving your fellow man, clapping for you. But if you want to grow in those ways, you do it. And so all of that goes into the preparation piece. So when they graduate in four years, man, I want them to know how to work hard. And then that second piece is the brotherhood piece. And that to us is just love. And there's no greater love than this, than a man who would lay down his life for his friends. And so, listen, we live in a very selfish world. We live in a very selfish world. And even to a degree, the game is selfish a little bit in that we keep stats and we mm-hmm. keep numbers on specific guys, but yet we know no quarterback can throw the ball without an offensive line. No running back can run without an offensive line. You know, I, I don't know if you use spill techniques defensively or not, Zach, but there is no stat for spilling coming underneath a lead blocker for somebody <laughs> else to make a tackle other than we get to win yep. at, the end of, at the end of the game. And so that piece, that brotherhood piece, I tell them, like even we were about to walk out for the state championship game. We're, we're playing there at Georgia State, about to walk out there and play play in that place. And I reminded them, man, this is special tonight, not because you're playing for a state championship, because you get to do it with your brothers. That's why it's special. And you guys will remember this forever because of your brothers. And so, man, for me, those two pieces, preparation and brotherhood, it's what I want our kids to take away when they grab, and I hope they take away a whole lot of other things, but they got to get those two things. They have to get those two things. It also, for me, Zach, when I tell people, like people kind of want to know what's your secret sauce, you know, so to speak, like what, what why do you win? And of course, everybody kind of goes to X's and O's. And I tell them like, man, I, I really do believe like people have won Super Bowls with a million different offenses and defenses. Like that is who we are every day as a coach. That's what I'm wanting to instill in these kids 
hard work and love. And I think on Friday nights, that's what I want people to show up and see a team that has worked harder than anyone in the state of Georgia and a team that loves deeper than anyone in the state of Georgia. And those are, those are easy things to say. They're just not hard things. I mean, they're hard things to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Coach, talk about your crucible. Uh, that's something that you've started to do after I've had moved on from Eagles landing. Talk about what is that and where'd you come yeah. up with that? And yeah, what is well, that? I've, been, yeah. I've been doing it since the late nineties, actually. I actually used to do it back in Georgia. It's hard for us to go away and do two a days nowadays. Uh, just kind of the structure of rules now in, in August It is just, you can't really practice that often. Now we have to, anyway, the, the way we manage. So we used to back then, be able to go away to camp and man, we'd have a morning time where we get up and we would do kind of uh, what I call the carnival. And we'd have a series of seven stations. It's like, mm-hmm. buy your tickets for the carnival. We're getting up at five in the morning and we're doing it. And then you can still have a couple more practices. Well, that kind of ended. And so kind of had to rethink the structure along mm-hmm. the way. I found a verse, the verse that I love out of Proverbs. And it says the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests a man's heart. And, and so the 10 Wednesdays, we take 10 Wednesdays before spring practice. And every Wednesday morning, we go from 557 to 7 a.m. And it's, it's early, it's hard, it's optional. And uh, for our kids, it's kind of funny. I've been at Trinity now for five years. Our very first one we had, we had 23 kids show up on, on mm-hmm. a Wednesday morning at 557. This past a week before spring break, our last one, our, our next to last one, we had 116 boys there. Ooh. It's crazy. Now, we've opened it past varsity. It's opened into our middle school I and even you. into our, our uh, even some of our sixth graders may even mm. come. I tell them if they can handle it. But you know what it is? It's, it's a time. All these boys are playing all these other spring sports. It's an optional time for one hour. We come and we kill it. It is hard. It is tough. It's as tough as I can make it on them. At the end, the parents, we get a group of like five or six parents. They feed them breakfast. We have a little kind of two, three-minute kind of talk at the end of just reminding them that uh, you're reminded them that, you know, God, every good gift comes from his hand. And uh, and it's just an opportunity for the team to come together. There's just something, you know, Zach, just something special about boys bleeding and sweating together mm-hmm. and working together. When nobody's around, there's no applause other than we just all choose to be here at this time. And so Crucible's become pretty special. The last thing I do with it is any boys that come to all 10 of them, I give them a T-shirt, and it's amazing what 16-year-old boys will do for a T-shirt. Oh, I mean, yeah. they're going to kill it just to get there to get that get that T-shirt. So that's that's kind of it, what it does is kind of breathe life a little bit into our off-season mm-hmm. workouts, and it gives us a little – uh, countdown like we only have four left we just we're coming out of spring break and we've got four more left and then we'll be in spring practice here in georgia talk about spring practice in, in georgia we don't have that up here in west virginia talk about how do you go about yeah. doing that what, what's your purpose in spring practice what are yeah. you looking to get out of that so so you know I, i'm i don't know if i'm a dying breed or not but i i still encourage all of our kids to play multiple sports i've got two boys that are seniors and up until through their sophomore year, they played three sports. Mm. You know, they, they played uh, they played football, basketball, and lacrosse. 
Uh, but I encourage all of our kids to play too. So spring practice, I never want it to take away from our spring sports. And so I kind of go in to spring practice knowing I might not have some baseball guys or some track guys or lacrosse guys if they are really making a good run in the playoffs. So for me, what I've always done though, because in Georgia, you've got two options. You can have 10 days of, of spring practice or you can have an extra fall scrimmage. And a lot of guys take that second fall scrimmage. I get that, but for me, oh, and I can also ha have a spring game. So I've got nine practices and a spring game. I just go into it going, look, if nothing else, I know I'm going to get all of my eighth graders. Mm -hmm. I know I'm going to get probably generally going to have all of my offensive linemen because usually those boys ain't playing track or, you know, lacrosse track and baseball. <laughs> so we got, I know we've got the O-line. I know we've got our young kids. Mm. And so I just know in my mind, if nothing else, I'm about to invest in the two groups that I always say are the most important groups. I tell our team all the time, most important group we have is offensive line. Second most important group is our scout team. I tell kids all that. So for me, I go into spring practice going, okay, I'm going to actually invest in the two groups that I say are the most important groups that we have that help us run practice in the fall. Mm. A lot of times we we'll end up getting most of our kids there. And then we finish with a spring game. And so I think it kind of is something fun for mm. the kids to look forward to, but I, I really appreciate the state of Georgia that they allow us to get those two weeks in and, you know, no, I, I don't think you get it there in West Virginia. It's no, no, you know, I'm not trying to talk whatever to anybody in any other States. I think it's a massive benefit recruiting wise. Mm. I mean, I've got a ton of college coaches. They're going to come and, and watch one of those practices. Cause that's during, you know, it's during May when those guys can get back out. And so I think it's a massive advantage for the kids of the state of Georgia also to get to be able to be seen you know, during, during those two weeks and certainly even to have that extra game right there. Yeah. I definitely mentioned spring practice to somebody kind of high up in our state association. I, that was uh, quickly dismissed for a number of reasons that I didn't agree with, but like you said, if, you know, spring practice allows people to come see your kids, they develop, kids get developed, those types of things. I think it's, that's awesome. Uh, in fact, Zach, a lot of times my very first week, like, we don't even put on pads a lot of times. Like a lot of times we'll just go in helmets and t-shirt and shorts. You know, I'm not a big fan of helmets, t-shirt and shorts, but you know, we'll do that. Or we'll just be in t-shirt and shorts just because we're doing a lot of installation. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's a, it's a tremendous springboard into the summer. But I mean, but that piece, like, and, and so, and listen, not to be like totally disregard with whoever it is that you spoke to, but gone are the days for kids individually that, oh, I've just got to be ready in September. Well, when are all the summer exposure camps? Right. The first week of June. The first, the first two weeks of June are all those. And so I think even by letting them get out there for two weeks in May, it helps them get totally back into football mode so they can be at a tip-top level when they hit those college exposure camps for kids who, who want to play on the next level. Yeah, no doubt. Uh so, Coach, you were talking about spill technique before. We do that with our interior guys still. Uh, we've, we're have we like a 3-4 slant angle. Uh, that's kind of what we've become. I've seen some of your tape. You're, th you're like, like kind of more 3-4, three, 3-3. Three, three. What's, your, what's your defensive philosophy these oh, I'm, days? I, I, I'm a 3-4 I'm a guy through and through. I mean, mm. but, I mean, we we morph. We I mean, we're, we are – 
we are very formation dependent on how we align uh, mm-hmm. with our, like our, our free safety, our, our backside free safety, like he'll, he'll align just about anywhere on the field. Mm-hmm. And, and so, but yeah, man, we, we are a slant front team, but uh, we, we, we inside out pretty much everything, but even, mm-hmm. even coming off the edges, sometimes we'll, we'll inside out even with those dogs. So it's not like a, a three, three, five set where those dogs are just always the mm-hmm. inside arm contained box it in guys, mm-hmm. you know, so we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty multiple. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I, <laughs> you were talking about, they don't get a stat. I remember in 2000, I think it was 2013 the year before we met each other or we did, we, we had known each other through like texts. I actually gave some of our D linemen tackles that year if they spilled. <laughs> yeah, say, you spilled tackle. You know what I mean? I, I love that, Zach. Well, here's the deal. Like for us, like I'm a big, like we watch film, but way, way more we watch us on mm. film than we watch our opponent. But man, I, like you, you have to praise things that you're asking kids to do, like there are certain sets because we're a three-man rush that all we're trying to do is flush the quarterback left or right. We're not necessarily even trying to sack him. We're trying to, what we call, get him off the spot, make him have to move left or right, attack his face because in high school, it's pretty amazing. You start looking at completion percentage, him standing in a spot, and I kind of attribute some of this to seven on seven. Kid just stands there, doesn't have to move. His feet's got nobody rushing, and he just throws the ball anywhere he wants to. And then all of a sudden, a rush comes. So we have even have a stat on that note of sometimes uh, like a, a quarterback pressure where he's got to move. I'm like, we're not even trying to sack him, but we're trying to move him and flush him in a direction. But this offseason, we've been talking about how do we recognize our kids because there's not a, a stat for that, but man, that's such a good point. I, I love that you did that for those kids. Cause it, it is the truth plays over. Yeah. I, I'm sure, you know, their stats got inflated a, a bit, but it was trying to get, and you know, some of the guys I'm, I'm referencing without saying their names, trying to give them the spill and not just run up the field, you know, Hey, yeah. that ball's got to go back outside. If you get, get kicked out. That's right. Offensive philosophy at landmark. You were like, I pro power. I stuff. You kind of morphed to the spread. What what made that happen as you're, okay. you you evolved? So uh, I wouldn't necessarily say much evolved. My philosophy offensively, and you got to understand, since 1996, I think that was my first year coaching. I've always been in single A. Now I've been blessed to have some really good teams in single A, and in Georgia, it's kind of crazy, man. You you know, it's not all the talent sitting up on six and seven. You know, you were there yeah. for several years. I mean, there's unbelievable talent on, mm-hmm. on every on every level. But the one thing that I have in single A is I'm going to have numbers are going to be an issue. It's not that I have a high school of 2,000, 2,500 kids. I'm going to have a high school of 500 kids that I've got to choose from. And so, man, I, I love triple option. I don't know that I'm have a triple option quarterback every time. I love spread. Other, so I would say I'm way more dependent on what we have than, than, uh, than necessarily, you know, kind of, kind of what we do. That being said, I want to do offensively things that I know. I, listen, I, I view the game through a defensive lens. I just always have. I'm a defense and special teams guy first. I, I, I still believe in an era – where you throw the ball for a million yards, I still believe you win in high school football with great defense, great special teams. And then my offensive coaches would hate to hear this. Then a complimentary 
offense. And that's why even my last few years at Landmark, we were, we were in a pro eye and man, we were really, really physical. I mean, there would be times we'd have three fullbacks in the backfield back there, but it, it really complemented our style of play this past year. Uh, I'm telling you, I'm, I know I'm, I'm kind of, uh, kind of threw a shot at our offensive guys. So here's me boasting on them. We finished, we scored second most amount of points in Georgia high school football history, all oh classification this year. And we were the only team that didn't have a first round uh, playoff game. We actually got a buy in the first round because there wasn't an opponent uh, to play. I can't remember what the situation was. So, and we only missed it by 20 points. So if we would have got to play that first round playoff game, we would have scored more points than any high school football team in the history of, of Georgia high school uh, football, which is a lot to say. But at the same time, dude, we had a quarterback that could distribute. We had four receivers that are, I mean, all four of those kids are D1 kids. I mean, my gosh, you know, it, it's just kind of one of those situations where to spread folks out from sideline to sideline made total sense because we could win one-on-one -on -one in a whole lot of spots on mm. the field. Now, at the same time, and those that my last year at Landmark, when we played for a state championship there, boy, we were down tight, tight. <laughs> we might have one receiver outside there. And like I said, at times we had three fullbacks and our big play would be our quarterback was our athlete, which would be keeping, you know, off the ISO or booting off the ISO. And so I'll be quite honest. I know my, my coaches hate this about me. I, I could care less about scheme. I want to give our kids a chance to win. Now, I love scheme. Scheme is what's fun. To me, that's the fun part. That's like what we do. But I think there's what you do as a coach and there's how you do it. And I think the how is the hard part. That's, I mean, to get a kid to spill, to get a kid to sacrifice himself for someone else, to get a kid to not give stat, to play O-line maybe when he thinks he's an inside linebacker, but mm -hmm. for the best of the team, he needs to play offensive line. Those, that's the hard part. The fun part is scheme. Mm -hmm. And so I'm married literally to nothing scheme-wise. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I've, I'm in the same vein and people look at me sometimes like, what are you doing? Well, I'm trying to get the most out of our guys. You know, like what can our guys do best? How do we... You know, accentuate their talents and and that and I learned that from you I mean we talked defense for that in 2014 now how do we get our guys in the best defense you want to like every defense known to man to land oh, on four gosh. three quarters that oh, got us gosh. to the state championship game that was part of the reason why and the players obviously got us there but the scheme helped us we put finally put them in a good spot yeah and, um, and I do think there's I, I do think there are principles that mm. we have to believe that, like there are certain principles that just I absolutely 100% believe in like offensively, you have to put defensive players in conflict. Like you, I mean, there's, there's certain day, like you have to take care of the football, you know, there, there are certain principles that I, I believe in no matter what. And that's kind of our guiding, our guiding light. But, but listen, you mentioned that year, Zach, I, I mean, that year that we coached together was insane. I mean, we did something that year that maybe never gets duplicated ever we started zero and six and played in a state championship game that year. Yeah. I mean, to start zero and six and then to pull it together to play for a state championship. I mean, literally might be something never, never is done again in Georgia. Coach, that was, man, that was what a year. I mean, that was one that just taught 
I know it taught me so much. Like, how do you yeah. just persevere? You know, like, because our yep. non-region schedule was brutal. It was. <laughs> it was it, it, I mean, it certainly was. But you know, at the same time, I, I I do think it's man. All right. So I'm not an artist in any way, mm. but and I know people sit back and they look at paintings and they're like, "Oh, this makes me emotionally feel whatever." Here's what art is for me. Mm. Art really is us figuring out our kids. How do we get them? to mesh together, lay themselves down in such a way. And I'm, I'm always preaching this to our kid. How can we make one plus one equals three? There is a way, that's what people call synergy. There is a way to make one plus one equals three. I, I tell them all the time, it's like a guy digging a ditch over here with a shovel, a guy digging a ditch over here with a shovel. Well, you should just be able to add that dirt and that dirt and equals it. But it's not true. You bring two friends together and they work hard and they compete. Maybe they listen to a little music and they work hard. And all of a sudden they can dig a whole lot more together than they could dig separately. And I think that's the how of coaching you know, is in scheme is so much fun. That's kind of the, 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 what part, but uh, man, I, I think that year when you talk about art, I'll, I'll just say it this way. I love taking a team from individuals to one unit, but even inside a week, how do I start on Sunday? Here's the plan. Here's what we've got to do. And then to see it executed on Friday night, man, I tell parents sometimes, they're like, why is my kid not playing? Or why is this? Why is this? Or why, why can you not do this? That? And I'm like, listen, like you can't even get your kid to make his bed in the mornings or to take out the trash. But you're expecting me to get 70 kids out here and be in perfect unison with each other. But when it happens, I mean, it really is. It's like beautiful art, man, of everything coming together. It's anyway, I love mm, it. That's it. That's it. Coach, talk about your special teams philosophy, because I remember when we work together that was kind of your baby something that you yes. really thought and it gave us an edge I mean and yes. that, talk about like where you got that from and how you you developed that well my, my first five years my first five years I, I was I was coaching in Tennessee when I when I first started teaching and coaching this is the late 90s and I mean I, I should have never become a head coach that first year but there was a little tiny school that wanted to start a football program and so Literally, I was not coaching my first couple of years to win games. It was like I was I was coaching to get first downs. You know, I was like I had to give my teams some goals in some games. Realistically, it was just like, all right, listen, mm. let's let's be realistic here. This isn't happening probably, but there is a way for us to have fun and there is a way for us to get better. And so here are realistic goals and we're going to celebrate like crazy in those. Well, I found early on as I'm really looking for advantages, so many people in high school football rest their best players on special teams. Mm -hmm. And for me, it became like, okay, we're about to win at this. And so, and, and they are really such game-changing moments. And I, and then I once read a stat in those late nineties, or maybe it was the early two thousands, but early on in my career, I read a stat that uh, somebody in the NFL had done and they were like, what is the stat that you win the most games that people automatically go to rushing yards or they go rushing yards or they go turnovers. People automatically always think it's one of those that determine it. But in this survey at this thing study that they had done, it was actually who got a punt blocked. 
That was actually the number one before those two, before turnovers and rushing yards, was if you got a punt blocked, you were like not going to win that game. It's, it had I don't know if it had to do with momentum, what it had to do with it. It was very, but it grabbed my, it grabbed my mind kind of creatively, like, okay, how big of an impact can we have with special teams? I'll be quite honest, regularly, like I put a lot of emphasis on special teams. I almost always come out of every season when I self-evaluate and I tell myself, you should do way, 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 way more. You should get way, way, way more aggressive. Like, because when, like, all right, you tell me this. If your best player was lined up out at wide receiver and one of their youngest or their weakest was aligned on him, would you not go ahead and say, let's go ahead and take a shot vertically and let's just take a shot? Well, if there are times on the field when I can put my best and they are, they are not going to put their best. And I already know this about a lot of high school teams. There's only a certain amount of time that high school teams are willing to put in their special teams. If I can figure that out, why would I not be infinitely aggressive? Hmm. Like what, like just even percentage wise, like what's the percentage got to be that it makes sense to regularly onside kick. I mean, there has to be a number somewhere in there where it goes, okay, this just makes sense. Let's go after it. Like I see some teams that their kicker can't kick it, but down to the 25 yard line, just kicking, you know, 20 yard line. I mean, just to, you know, most of us have kickers that are better than that. But I mean, like consistently, they're hitting it down around there and teams are running it out to the 35. Well, if I'm giving it up to the 35 every time, I'm starting to think like, why am I not just onside kicking it? And they're going to recover somewhere around the 38 or the 42 anyway. Mm-hmm. And I've got a chance to get the ball. So I, I don't know, man. I think it really, Zach, came from my early years experience forma- formationally, me really searching and asking myself, how can I give my kids a chance to win? Mm-hmm. And, and then just the experience of like, oh, yeah, there's plays to be made. Zach, we we recovered seven onside kicks this year. Oh my seven. gosh, seven! Now, and I had a guy who could kick it into the end zone. Mm-hmm. But look, if they're going to move a lot of, if they're going to move guys, and I've got my best dudes, like my best athletes. I mean, I got my two inside linebackers. One just early enrolled at Mercer, and the other guy, dude, he's six two, two hundred twenty pounds, and he runs in the high four fives. Dude is a stud. This next year's senior, I got those dudes standing right there. And they've got a backup offensive tackle playing that, that front spot. Why would I not kick it right there and see if my dudes can't get it when a backup offensive lineman is the guy that's got, does that make sense? And so to me, in my mind, it just makes sense to be aggressive in, in, but anyway, that's it. That's a long answer. Cause that's no, that's beautiful. Cause man, I'm, I think everybody, not every coach, but most coaches have listened to Kevin Kelly talk about special teams and being aggressive. And like you said, every year I go back and evaluate our tape, I think we didn't take enough chances on special teams. Yes. Because there's hidden yardage, there's hidden, you know, possessions, that that kind of stuff. Yeah. For sure. Well, think about this, Zach. Like, you're a defensive guy. But how hard do you work on your punt defense? I mean, you think yeah. about it. Like, I know I can get my guys aligned, and I probably have a go call. I've got a safe call. I've got some kind of 
something call that I'm going to bring. And maybe I can even go base. Like, I don't know. They may go for it here. So we'll go base. But I'm just saying, like, how many reps? So it's one of the things I ask myself every year, come off like, why do I not run more punt fakes? Like, why? I practice them. I have them. But we're, but we're scared. And mm-hmm. I think part of why we're scared is – Part of why we're scared is it's not conventional. And I know there's some of those dudes out there, like you allude to, who like they onside kick every time or they go for it every time. I'm not there. Listen, some of my punter, I love my punter. And we teach our punter to punt the ball high and to make them have to catch the ball at 35 yards. And it's either a fair catch or he's fumbling. And actually, we've won a lot of games because I think the hardest thing to do in football is to catch a punt. And I, I couldn't do it. And even in high school, I don't think I could go back there and catch a punt with the lights and people around you and people yelling. And so why would I want to give that up? But I, I'm just saying, I, I think I, there's somewhere in between all of us where we don't give time to special teams and someone like your reference and who just goes for it all the time. There's a middle ground. In fact, we commit Wednesdays at lunch. We watch special teams all together as a team. Uh, uh, Wednesdays at lunch. In fact, we watch our mistakes from Friday night because I mean, I can't give it the same amount of time, but we get, we get a nice lunch. So we get about 35 minutes together in at lunch. We have about a 40 minute lunch period. So we get about 35 minutes in there. We watch mistakes from the last Friday night. And then we watch our opponent coming up and make sure and point out, here's who we're attacking. This is why we're doing that kind of like you do with your offense and your defense. So so we know when we know we're going to get 35 minutes of special teams film in. That's awesome. Coaches, we land the plane on our podcast today. I would love some wisdom to a young coach who's looking to get into the profession. What are things that you wish you knew mm. back then that you know that you know now? Mm. Wow, it's a great question. Well, first and foremost, the best thing I ever did and I didn't even intend to do it, and I referred to it earlier in, my po- earlier, earlier in the podcast, is I, I got with a coach that was incredibly successful, but he also did it the exact way I wanted to do it. I wanted to win football games, but I also wanted to do it in a way that would honor the Lord, and, and, uh, and, and I wanted to challenge boys towards godly manhood. I found a guy that I look up to. I found a guy that I, I, I'll be quite honest, when I took the landmark job, um, I, I was about 28 years old. Um, that, that, back in 2001, I think it was about about 28 years old. A lot of times, I would just say, "What would Coach Yancey do?" And, yeah. and I and I would do that. But but that, that's a big part. But then, secondly, and look, I'm not trying to get overly Christian knees here on your on your podcast here because I know it's about football. But for me. I have to know that my identity is in Christ. I have to know, I have to know that I'm a much loved son of God. I'm the son of a king, regardless of whether or not I go 12 and two this next year, or if I go two and eight this next year, I have to, John Wooden gave a a great definition of success. He just said, it's the peace of mind knowing I've done everything I could do to prepare practice and play. And I have to have an identity of Christ and understanding this, like, man, I am loved in Christ. I'm accepted. I have worth in Christ and my security is in Christ. It's not in my booster club loving me. It's not in my parents loving me. It's not any of this stuff because it's fickle. Listen, 
I just told you, I've coached at seven state championship games in nine years. I lose a couple of these next few years. I know, like people are going to ask, oh, he doesn't know how to coach anymore. He doesn't this, he doesn't that. I mean, that's that's how the world works. And so, man, I think we're in a day and a time. If somebody get, really gets into teaching and coaching, I want them to have a heart of ministry. They don't have to necessarily be a believer, but I want them to have a heart of ministry of understand this. They have like, they're changing the world, man. Mm. Like I literally believe outside of daddies and mamas, the biggest opportunity for impact in our country today is coaches. Mm. Uh, where else, where else do, do young men and young women just show up and go, Oh, here's my heart. What are you going to do with it? And so, man, to be able to show up every day realizing I've got an opportunity to make impact, I, I, I think that's I think that's huge. And so I would wish for every young coach that they could get in a situation where they could be surrounded by a little bit of, of all of that. Mm. Um, but at the same time, man, coaching profession is hard, but we need great men and great women to do it. I, I literally tell people all the time, it's my favorite people on the planet. That's why I'm so excited to even be talking with you. I love being around coaches. I, I, I just, I love being around coaches. And so, I mean, the boys and girls of this country, they need great coaches to point them in, in the right direction. Coach, thank you for your time. That's awesome, man. You thank are you. such a man that's full of wisdom, full of grace. And we, I really appreciate you coming on and talking with us. Oh, man, I, I enjoyed every minute of it, Zach. Thank you, buddy.